Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to decide a significant case involving January 6th. We're going to be talking about this on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. You know, Matt, it's so encouraging to see the high court finally going to address this this issue because there's been so many people just rotting in prison, not being able to get trials. And so this particular January 6th defendant, uh, Fisher, and now along with two other men, have now gone before the Supreme Court and asked the court to look at how they've been charged using an evidence destruction law. Yeah, this is crazy when you look at what actually is the basis for the legal uh, arguments by the federal government. Uh, this case involves January 6th, but the federal government overreached in charging these individuals, along with many, many others, with regards to January 6th, under the 2002 Sarbanes-Oxley Act. That's a law that grew out of the collapse of the Enron Corporation and is designed to prevent the fraudulent destruction of corporate financial records. The law specifically makes it a felony to corruptly alter, destroy, mutilate, or conceal a record, document, or other object with the intent to undermine an official proceeding. The second part of the statute also applies to anyone who otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding. The law authorizes up to 20-year prison sentences for violations. So the defendants in this case, and we have now filed an amicus brief in support of these defendants, arguing that if it is not overturned, uh, that this application of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, misconstrued by the federal government, will significantly impact lawful free speech and assembly and petitions of our government, whether it's in the United States Capitol or in any local or state venue. It is a breathtakingly broad application. So not to mention the Justice Department has charged nearly 330 people, including President Trump, under this law, and they've already stated they're coming for more. Yeah. So in March 2022, a U.S. district judge dismissed this lawsuit brought by the federal government against Fisher, reasoning that the law was only intended to narrowly apply to evidence tampering that leads to an obstruction of an official proceeding. However, in April 2023, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit ruled two to one to reverse that decision and reinstate the charge against Fisher, Lang, and Miller, whose cases are now combined. The appeals court stated that under the most natural reading of the second part of the statute, the law applies to all forms of corrupt obstruction of an official proceeding. I think that is nonsense because... When you look at Sarbanes-Oxley, what happened? You had Enron. They were in financial problems. And so what they did was they were altering some of their financial documents 
A company like this, for example, has to publicly disclose its various financial reports because it's regulated on the United States Stock Exchange. And so there are SEC requirements for public disclosures. And when Enron was getting in problems financially, they started to change records. They were modifying documents. They withheld documents. There was an official proceeding that was undertaken to investigate the Enron scandal. And everybody remembers the so-called Enron scandal. It was a big financial problem that Enron ultimately was involved in. And so they wanted to hide it from these official filings and thus obstruct the investigation that was being done by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So Sarbanes-Oxley, that act was passed after the collapse of Enron to try to prevent that from happening again so that anyone who then uh, mutilates or destroys these records or documents or other object with the intent to undermine an official proceeding that is actionable under the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. So when you look at that history and that mm -hmm. language and then you pair it up to otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes an official proceeding, it's very clear that it has to be something that you're doing with regards to a required exposure of financial records and you're intentionally withholding or you're changing, you're fraudulently manipulating them in order to obstruct an official proceeding, like in this case, an official investigation, but not, not for assembling in Washington, D.C. on January 6th or any other place. Right. Now, there were certain people on January 6th that were bad actors. They were planted there, yeah. Well, whether they were planted is irrelevant. Whether they're planted or whether they got out of control is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. There are specific laws that can be used against individuals for trespassing and for continuing to trespass after a warning. But the government didn't use those laws because those have a very different kind of penalty. So whatever you think about January 6th, the bad actors could be targeted by specific law that specifically addresses what they did. The government didn't like the fact that the penalty for those laws is nowhere near like the up to 20-year sentences for the violation of the Sarbanes-Oxley right. Act. So they reached out. And they use this against people who otherwise were engaging in First Amendment free speech activities, like in this case here, these defendants. And, you know, let's look at, let's take it out of January 6th for a minute. Uh, remember all, in fact, our amicus brief that we filed at the U.S. Supreme Court highlights a number of other cases around the country. Yeah, let's look at, for example, the people who violently assaulted the Hatfield Federal Courthouse in Portland. How about that? Or the person who unlawfully disrupted Justice Brett Kavanaugh's Senate confirmation hearing. Remember that? Yeah, remember those people that were dressed in, they were putting fake blood on them? And yeah. And they would stand we up. We had a staff member and they in were that. Yeah. Being paid? Right. We had a staff paid. member that was peacefully in there watching and saw those people. Remember the people mm -hmm. that were saying that they were in wheelchairs and they had to physically lift those people out of there because yeah, they were disrupting? It was ridiculous. That was an official proceeding. Yeah. Or what and if, they were trying to obstruct that official proceeding. But did the federal government come after them? 
Were they using prosecuted? Yeah. No. Or what about the anti-Israel protesters who stormed the rotunda of the Cannon House office building? And that just recently happened. And and all these events resulted in injuries to police officers or other attendees. Right. And the federal government did not do anything uh, with regards to this particular law. What about, for example, the uh, Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. uh, taking over police stations and occupying sections of a city in Oregon? Right. And there was no Sarbanes-Oxley law that was used against them. They selectively used this against people for the January 6th event so that they could have a broad application with significant prison sentences. And by allowing them to get away with it, imagine the implications, Holly, if the court sides with the government, because that means uh, people who are um, engaging in peaceful First Amendment activity, whether in Washington, D.C. or some other place, could have this particular law, Sarbanes-Oxley Act, that has no application to those situations, selectively used against you to violate your right to free speech, your right to assemble, and your right to petition the government. Absolutely. I mean, they're using this as a tactic to shred the Constitution to silence certain political viewpoints. It's very clear here. Yeah, and so, you know, our brief asked, did the United States trot out Section 1512C, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, to prosecute these violent protesters that stormed the Capitol, this is what you had just mentioned, in the same manner as the numerous January 6 defendants are alleged to have done? That's a question. No, we say. Of course not. Uh, yet the United States dusted off this document-shredding prohibition to supercharge the minor offenses of some and the constitutionally protected expression of others into felonies subject to 20 years' imprisonment. In no other instance, we argue, including a host of recent examples of similar expressive activities disrupting official proceedings, has the United States wielded the sword of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to impose these kind of drastic penalties. So continue to pray for this case. A decision will be handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court no later than the end of June, the end of its term. For more information, you can go to lc.org to read our important brief, lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org where you can obtain email alerts and other information to keep you informed and involved. The website again, lc.org.